In episode 461, with the amazing Jenna Kutcher, we talk about all things business and motherhood, mama guilt, friendships, and how to cultivate friendships as an adult, following your dreams, being a working mama, plus so much more. Welcome to the Melissa Ambrosini Show. I'm your host, Melissa, best-selling author of Mastering Your Mean Girl, Open Wide, and Comparisonitis. And I'm here to remind you that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. Each week, I'll be getting up close and personal with thought leaders from around the globe, as well as your weekly dose of motivation so that you can create epic change in your own life and become the best version of yourself possible. Are you ready, beautiful? Hey, beautiful, and welcome back to the show. I am so excited about this episode because I have one of my dear friends, Jenna Kutcher, back on the show. She was first on the show with her husband, Drew, on episode 111 for a Relationships Goal episode because those two are serious relationship goals. But today she's back on her own and we are celebrating her debut book, How Are You Really? And for those of you that have never heard of Jenna, she is a born and raised Minnesota wife, mother and entrepreneur who aims for two things daily, helping others wake up to their life and staying in comfy pants. Yes, please. I'm all for the comfy pants. Actually, it was really funny. I was telling Nick the other day that when people post on Instagram stories or on Instagram, their outfits of the day and they just look incredible. You know, some of my friends do it and I'm like, oh my gosh, you look like that on a Wednesday? What? I could never do those posts because 99% of the time I am literally in comfy pants and a baggy t-shirt and it's all about comfort for me. So I totally respect the people that do the outfits of the days, but you will never get one of those from me. Well, never say never, but you don't get those from me right now because 90% of the time or 99% of the time, the outfit is not worth Instagram. That's for sure. Anyway, I digress. Jenna is also the creator and host of the top rated Gold Digger podcast. She's helped thousands redefine success and chase bold dreams through her decade long work as a leading online personality and educator. And her podcast, The Gold Digger Podcast, is a show that I listen to a lot. I love it. It's such a beautiful mix of business and life and the way that she delivers her wisdom is just so easy to digest. I love it. So check out her podcast. And for everything that we mentioned in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes and that's over at melissarambrosini.com forward slash 461. Now let's get this beautiful goddess on the show. Let's bring her on, Jenna Kutcher. Jenna, welcome back to the show, beautiful goddess. I am so excited to have you here. But before we dive in, can you tell us what you had for breakfast this morning? You know what? Because I am a listener of your show, I was like, the day that I come on, I need to eat a really good breakfast so that I can answer this question. <laughs> and the funniest thing is, is so today for breakfast, I had a hard-boiled egg and a piece of sausage. So it wasn't <laughs> terrible. Probably not the best, but I literally told myself, like, mental note, you know this question, prepare accordingly, and here we are. <laughs> oh, well, I am so excited to have you back on the show. You and Drew came on the show, episode 111, which is Angel Numbers, how special, 
And you guys came on and did a relationship goals episode, which I absolutely loved having you guys on. So I am so excited to have you back on the show. And I've also been on your podcast, which was episode 154. Now, I was thinking before we started this, when did we first meet and how did we first meet? Because we've been friends for a long time and I absolutely love and adore you. I listen to your podcast every week. I have got most of your free guides and all sorts of things that you have provided to us. And I just love your energy. I love your authenticity, your vulnerability. And you're one of those people that truly walks her talk. And you are the most big-hearted, kind human being. You are super successful. You're a mama of two. And you still respond to my DMs. Always. Always. (laughs) You will be like, oh, is that Melissa? Tell her hi. I'm like, I will. (laughs) Oh, I love that. I think my sister sent me your podcast years ago and was like, this is who I always listen to. She is my dream. And that was when we were trying to get you onto my podcast. Like we were like, we have to get her. And so it is so cool. And I think it's very rare in this world, especially too, when we live countries apart, continents apart, there's oceans dividing us, you know, and to feel so connected in such a beautiful way is like such a gift. And watching you walk into motherhood and nurture this little soul and really explore this new identity within yourself has just been so beautiful to watch unfold. And I think it's just this metamorphosis that a a lot of female founders don't share openly. And so when someone does, it is like an exhale of like, "Ah, I can do this too. And I love how you're doing it. Mm, Thank you so much, honey. Thank you. And it's been so beautiful to watch your journey as well over the past couple of years from programs to podcasts. Like you have a highly successful podcast that I love and listen to. And now you have an amazing book that has come out, which was such a surprise. Like for anyone who doesn't know, Jenna literally didn't tell anybody that she was writing a book. And then just one day it pops up on her Instagram and she's holding a book and she's like, hey, I wrote a book like out of nowhere. Like how how did you keep that a secret? Yeah. Okay. So Never say never. Justin Bieber warned us of this and we didn't listen. But (laughs) I always said I would never write a book. And it was really when I look back on that statement and how bold I was and how assured I was in it, I smile because evolving as a human being is such a beautiful thing. And I for so long said I would never write a book because I understood the amount of work and time that went into it. And for so much of my life, especially building a business, I always was looking at the trade-off between time and money. And I think that when, and you know this better than anyone with your books, when you are finally ready to write a book, the mission matters so much more than the money. And you are willing to devote the time to get it out into the world. And it's wild to me how excited I am about it because this is a two-year-long project. And for a digital content creator who can like have an idea, hit publish, get feedback, the fact that I've spent the last two years doing this and doing it in silence 
which was really necessary for me in the creative process, was so beautiful. Do you want to talk about why I did it without telling anyone? Yes, please. And before we dive into that, yeah. tell us the title of this incredible new book. So my book is called How Are You Really? And the reason behind that, and it's so funny because as you gave birth and your book was coming out, I was about to give birth and the final manuscript was due. And I was like, I have to name a human in a book in like a 10 day time span. <laughs> and I kept describing the book because we hadn't landed on the title yet. And I was like, you know, when you're having a conversation and someone's like, how are you? And you're like, good, busy. How are you? We should get together soon. But then when you're sitting down with someone you love and trust and they like lean in and they're like, but how are you really? And you like feel safe. Those are the conversations that we're craving and not just with other people, but with ourselves. So that's how we landed on the title. Now, the work behind the book happened in a very interesting way. And I tell the story inside of the book, but I got a massage. So this is during COVID. And trust me, I will circle this all back. It was during COVID. Everything was closed. It was mine and Drew's anniversary. And I was like, we need to do something special for our anniversary. And so we are in a town of 1,200 people. We are like 100 miles from the Canada border. We are two and a half hours away from a Target. But there is a little massage therapy place in town here. So I call Lute Zen and I make us little appointments for massages. Well, Come to find out that the person that's doing our massages is also an intuitive medium. So an, a healer, an energetic person who knew that our town had that. So I go in to get this massage. I get the rub down. I have the mask on my face. It's the first time I'm like in a space with a human in years. And at the end, she goes, do you want to know what came up for you? And I was like, what do you mean? What came up for me? And she goes, you have this project that you have to do and you are fighting it. Like you are literally trying to like turn your hips away from it, but you know it is your life's work and you have to do this. She goes, do you know what I'm talking about? And I was like, dang it. She's talking about a book. I knew it. I knew it the second she said it. And that day I go home and I like still have like the massage table marks on my face. And Drew's like, how was your massage? And I was like, I need to write a book. He was like, excuse me, like how did a massage therapist tell you you need to write a book? And um, it was just one of those things that reminds me all the time of how many of us have these ideas and these yearnings and these callings, and yet we're waiting for someone to grant us permission. And I'm so grateful that Thea at Lutzen just even told me, you have something you need to do and you're not doing it. Because I think that statement could work for all of us. But literally that day, I opened up a document and I started my book. And I did everything backwards intentionally because I knew how big of an undertaking it would be. And for so long, I was turned off by the idea of writing a book because every time I approached the idea, people would tell me what they wanted from me. And they would talk about the business of books, right? And it's very different to write books that tell versus books that sell. And I knew that the minute that a paycheck got involved, my creativity would be stifled. The deadlines would feel crippling. And so I did everything without telling a soul. I didn't have an agent. I didn't have a book deal. I wrote the book. And it was such a beautiful reminder for me of like doing work that even if no one in the world sees it, it matters to you. It matters enough to keep going. And doing work that doesn't collect feedback or criticism or praise because it still matters to you. And I think we've gotten away from that in our world. So it's actually a really beautiful process and I loved every minute of it. Oh, babe. So 
How are you really? <laughs> well, today is kind of an off day. So Coco, who is three, is the most amazing child ever. And she has started to have dreams at night. And I feel like there must be this threshold where like all of a sudden you start having dreams and remembering them. And so last night I spent from two in the morning to 4.30 in the morning talking about like why the earth is round, why the moon is yellow, why do we lay down when we sleep? Where is everybody else? And it was so precious, but also like, okay, but go to sleep. And then the moment I got her to sleep, my little one woke up and Drew was like, oh, perfect timing. Now you can feed her. And so I'm in this stage of motherhood where it is like the thick of it, right? Like it's kind of what people talk about. And I committed to myself when I did this whole book thing that I would live out the mission in the pages every step of the journey. And so now I am really having to come home to like what I wrote and like having to ground myself in the fact that like time is our currency and we cannot get this time back. And even when the time is challenging and even when I feel stretched thin, it's because of the fullness of the life, right? Like we're only thin because of the fullness. And so it's been an interesting season in motherhood because up until this point, I was like, I am nailing it. I've got this. And lately I'm kind of like, I texted my friends today and I was like, please tell me it gets a little bit easier because I feel like I'm floundering. How are you really? Oh, thank you, babe. Thank you for sharing that. And I just want to say for anyone who follows Jenna on social media, if you don't follow her, go and follow her because yes, she provides amazing content, but her two daughters are just, oh my gosh. Like, because Coco talks, obviously, like her little voice, I can't even deal. Oh my God. I can't even cope with how cute they are. It's just so beautiful. And thank you for sharing that. And how am I really? I, well, at the time of recording this, my little girl just turned one and I just- You blinked. Oh my gosh. I feel like I gave birth three months ago, but it's been a whole year and it's been the most beautiful and big year. And I am- loving. I had no idea I would love being a mother so much, like with every cell in my body. If someone had have said to me, you'll love it, I wouldn't have believed them I would have loved it this much. And it has cracked me open. I truly have become the best version of myself. And I just want to tell anyone listening that yes, it does get easier. Like I think back to the first month and the second month and the third month and the fourth month and the fifth month, and it does get easier and easier and easier. And so anyone who's like in the thick of it right now, it gets easier. It really does. And it's all so temporary. I, that's what I cling to because it's like anytime you have a challenge or something, it's it's so fleeting. It is like the littlest blip. And like, I'm sure your iPhone will remind you of like things a year ago and you're like, I literally can transport by closing my eyes and remembering that moment. It goes by so fast. And so everything is temporary. Just remember that. Absolutely. And I am three quarters of the way through your incredible book. I absolutely love it. You are a brilliant writer, which I already knew because of your blog and your social media. I already knew you were a brilliant writer, but like to have it in one place in my hands. And I've been so excited to get into bed every night to read a few more chapters. So I absolutely love it. And I love 
your stories that you share in there. I love the vulnerability, the authenticity. And in particular, I really loved this story of your journey to become a mother, which was a huge journey. And there was a quote in the book by you that I absolutely loved. And I might butcher it because it's downstairs in my bedroom and I don't have it next to me. But you were saying about the journey is the magic and that's where the magic is. And it took us a while to get pregnant as well. And so I could really relate to that. And when you then get pregnant and you have your baby, you look back on that journey and you go, ah, that all happened for a reason. And I became a better person because of that. Yeah. The quote is, sometimes the season of waiting is just as important as what you are waiting for. And I feel like that is so true in motherhood, in business, in relationship, in dream chasing. I think a lot of times we're prone to spend those waiting seasons feeling like they're a waste, right? But there is such an invitation for us to live into the pieces that we can control. Because, I mean, look at the world. We're walking out of uncertainty. We've all faced collectively uncertainty in different realms over the last few years. We can do this now. We are resilient and adaptable. But a lot of times when it comes to having this vision for our lives, for me, it was becoming a mom. It's so easy to when things are not happening the way you would orchestrate them because we think we are the divine authors of our own lives and we often like to forget that there are so many other things at play. But when we can really look at these waiting seasons and work through them, and I'm not saying work as in hustle, I'm saying work to become the kind of person that we want to be when we arrive. Oh man, it's like our lives become so much more enriched. And in the book, I tell this story about, I had this vision of this little girl and pancakes and this Persian rug. And I had this vision. And in the vision, I was wearing Madewell jeans and like a linen top. And it was, it was me envisioning this most vibrant version of myself. And I looked down and I was like, and today I'm in sweatpants and like a three-day-old t-shirt. Like, if I can't even take the step to put on the jeans, why do I expect the rest of the things to fall into place? And it was such a wake-up call for me to like not wait because I think so often we wait. We're like, when I become or when this happens, then I'll be the person I'm meant to be. And it's like, control the things you can control and step into that version of yourself today so that when those moments arrive, you are so awake to the fullness of them that it's like the moments are like fat minutes, like the fattest minutes that you are just living it. And isn't that what we all want? Totally. I absolutely agree. And I think back to my journey to getting pregnant. And at the start, there was so much resistance and me trying to control. And to be honest, it was a very painful time in my life. I was really suffering. I was very down. I was very flat. I lacked the motivation because I wanted it to happen so badly. And then it got to a point where I had a, a very spiritual experience with a healer and I realized that I needed to surrender and I needed to let go of control and release my white knuckle grip. And it was then that I fully exhaled and I stepped into the person that I wanted to be and things just started to fall into place then. And so it's beautiful to look back with hindsight and go, ah, that happened for that reason. No matter where you're at in your journey right now, whether it's wanting to call in your soul baby or a business idea or 
a relationship, whatever area you are wanting to call in, enjoy the process, enjoy the journey, embody the person that you really want to be. And you start to become a magnet for those things. Some people might look at you and think wildly successful. You know, you've got millions of followers. You've got a very successful podcast, your new book, online programs, eBooks, so many things. And you help people all over the world really redefine success for themselves and chase those big dreams. And you are a wife and a mama of two and a friend and a daughter and a granddaughter. Tell me how you do it all. Who is in your personal support team? Who is in your business support team? How do you do it all? Because I know it's not just Jenna on her own doing all of these things. And I had this conversation with one of my best friends yesterday. She's finally getting help at home. She's got uh, an almost one-year-old as well, and she's just drowning She is completely sleep deprived. She is drowning. She's exhausted. And she is finally getting some help in her home. And she's a different human. So I know that it's not just Jenna behind the steering wheel in personal life and in your business. So can you tell us how you make these two things flow? And I know it's not about a perfect balance or a juggle. It's about dancing between the two. So how do you do it? I mean, it's really, it's it's more of like this integration. I feel like we've all let go of the word balance because I feel like for so long, when you think about the word balance, it's like the scales are even, everything is even. And I feel like when you are an ambitious, creative, multi-hyphenate person, things are always out of balance. And if balance is this goal, then the goal is to maintain perfection at all times and it's just not possible. So I have a very supportive husband like you have your supportive partner. And Drew made the decision to be a stay-at-home dad. And I actually talk about the story about that in the book because when we decided to finally grow our family, Drew said this proclamation of like, I want to be a stay-at-home dad. and we then went through two losses and it took three years before we had our first child, Earthside. And I felt like a failure because I was like, here, he is supporting me and my business and my dreams. And I can't have the baby to allow him to do what he wants to do. And it was really fascinating because a lot of people fantasize like what being a stay-at-home parent would be. I think I could never do it. I, I, could not do it. I think it is the hardest job in the world. So if that is you, like you are incredible. Um, So what's been really interesting is Drew and I manage our children. We've never actually had outside help. And that is just by choice of our lifestyle. We like to float around. We are people that like don't like to be in the same spot for too long. And so Today, I had six interviews, but I put my daughter down for nap, fed my other daughter, was up for breakfast with both of them, and we'll finish with dinner. And so planning and architecting my life around my values is what's necessary. But Drew, man, he is the man, the myth, the legend. He does all the cooking. He does all the cleaning. He does the laundry. He does all those things. My mom has also been a huge support for us and will come over and babysit so we can do a date night or things like that. And so she's been a pivotal piece. And it's just so special to see the bond that she has with my girls. 
And then on a team standpoint, I have a team of all women and I've built one by one. And in the book, it talks about how you can turn one into a million. And what I mean by that is for so long, I was the only one moving the needle forward. I was the only person in my business. I was a solopreneur. I had that white knuckle grip that you referenced. And when I finally released my palms for possibility during our season of loss, where I was realizing like, I built this awesome business, but the moment I stop, the money stops and I can't be the person to do all the things was the moment that I realized like asking for help is not weakness. It is the strongest thing you can do. It is the best thing you can do. And when you get help, letting people have ownership and pride in what they do, oh, what a gift. And so I now have a team of 10 women and, um, amazing and it is incredible and I could not do what I do without them. We have a writer, we have a podcast producer, we have an integrator, we have a support person, we have a tech person and we have a graphic designer and you know and so there's so many things but what I love about it is like I am the visionary, I cast the vision, but they are like the missionaries like out there helping that mission come to life. And so everything you see that I do I am just the face and the voice and the visionary, but there are missionaries behind me, like moving this mission forward with every word, with every graphic, with every single thing that you see. And I could not do it alone. If anyone ever tells you they're self-made, run in the opposite direction. Nobody is self-made. Yeah, absolutely. And I just want to give a shout out to Drew. We love you, Drew. You're amazing. He's the best. And he listens to this podcast, so he's going to actually die. He's he's (laughs) going to die from that. Okay. We love you. And I think it's really important, you touched on this, is getting really clear on what your values are, your personal values and your business values, because then you can architect your life in accordance to your values. So I was thinking about this as I was reading your book last night and then I was laying in bed. A value for me is I have always wanted to put my daughter to sleep and I want to be there when she wakes up. Like that's really important to me. And and sure, I could do all of these other speaking gigs. I could do all of these other things that I could have said yes to over the past year, but I've chosen to say no to. No, thank you, I like to say. Because for me right now in my life, putting her to sleep and being there when she wakes up is such a strong value of mine. And I'm not willing to waver on that. And sure, you know, there'll be a time when she goes to school and I'll be able to do those more of those speaking gigs or write that next book or launch that or whatever it is. But right now in my life, that's really important. So I want to encourage everyone listening, like when you're thinking about your dream life, if you aren't living it right now, what are your core values in your business? And what are your values in your personal life? And make sure that they are at the forefront of your life, of every decision that you make. Because when you have them crystal clear, it's a lot easier to say no thank you to things that aren't in alignment with that and then to say yes to the things that are. Amen. You said that so perfectly because it's so funny. And I feel like at some point in your life, you realize that like shiny opportunities or things that are made to make you believe that they're a big break are so dull. And they're opportunities for other people to leverage you or your superpower or your gifts. 
And what I think we as women especially need to trust is that what has gotten us this far is going to carry us forward. We don't need anyone to provide big breaks for us. We can create our own. And I think a huge realization for me was like, I hit so many different points in my career where I I arrived, quote unquote, and it didn't feel good, right? Like it didn't feel different. It didn't feel like I had made it. It didn't feel exciting. Most of the time when I, quote, made it, I was burnt out or depleted. And I learned super early on. Like, I am so fortunate that I learned these lessons in my 20s so that when I became a mom in my 30s, I was like, I am blacking out my calendar for the entire first year of my child's life and saying no to everything. And I will believe that if an opportunity is right, they'll come back around. I once heard this story about like a CEO who was on vacation for like a month and they literally just deleted everything in their inbox, like without reading it. And then they were like, if they want to get a hold of me, they'll get a hold of me now that I'm back. And I was like, that is the bold energy we all need to carry forward. In that, it's like, I think we've tricked ourselves into thinking that like our success is a fluke. And that keeps us on the hamster wheel of feeling like we have to keep up the momentum or else we're going to lose it or fall off or we're never going to catch back up to where we are. And when we really believe that like I can hit the brake pedal and still know where the gas pedal lies, we get true freedom and we will never regret the way that we're spending our time. And that's how I want to live, especially as a mom to little ones. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. And it can feel hard to say no thank you to these quote unquote supposedly life altering opportunities. But for me, and I have said no thank you to 99% of things this year. I've had big interviews. I've had big podcasts want me to go on their show. I've had TV opportunities. I've had so many things that I have said no thank you just because I wanted to honor this year of motherhood. I'm only ever going to be a first-time mom for this first year once in my lifetime. And I didn't want to look back and go, oh, I wish I didn't work as much. And so that was really important for me. And I'm not saying that everyone has to do this. This is this was just a value of mine that I really wanted to honor. So saying no thank you and then trusting that if that is meant to be, it will come back around or it'll morph into something else. And know that that feeling that it feels hard to say no is totally normal as well because I know some people think, well, if it's hard to say no, then maybe it is the right opportunity for me. But not necessarily saying no to any opportunity when you love what you do, when you are passionate, when you are a sole entrepreneur, like it can feel really challenging. So just be mindful of that, that that feeling of it being hard saying no to those things is totally normal and it's okay. And I also wanted to touch on this whole like idea of false urgencies. I think as entrepreneurs, we can feel like our inbox is urgent and posting on social media is urgent, but these are all false urgencies that can only sometimes just be causing more stress than not. And I think I've got really clear on what is actually urgent and then what is a false urgency this year. You know, my podcast goes out every Wednesday and if I haven't written the copy and it's Tuesday night, okay, that's something I've got to do, right? But then there's like the inbox the responding to the DMs, like these are all false urgencies. There's nothing that's like life-threatening in that. So I just have gotten really clear on what is actually urgent and what is 
false urgencies. And that's really helped me in this season of my life. Oh, 100%. I think what's really fascinating about all of this is that a lot of times, especially we are, a lot of us are yes people, right? Like we have been taught to like say yes, smile more, don't pass up opportunities. And what's really awesome is when you can give clear no's And I actually had a script made of how to say no, because I was like, I know that I'm prone to say yes. And so I made rules around saying yes. And it was like, if somebody presents something to me and I'm in the moment with them, I'm going to let them know I'm going to circle back with them. I'm not going to agree to anything because I know energetically I can get so excited and like take on someone else's excitement and then get home and be like, why did I say yes to that? That's not the right fit right now. So I always am like, let me circle back. We'll connect on that. Let me look at my calendar and make sure. But I also made a script of like, hey, thank you so much for this invitation and opportunity. I am so flattered that you are offering this to me. I want to say that I'm going to say no, not as a reflection of your offer or your idea or your opportunity, but only as a reflection of me living out my values in this season. And I want for you to know that I'm cheering you on and I cannot wait to see you tackle this or accomplish this or whatever. So just know that my no is only rooted in the fact that right now success is defined by X, Y, and Z. I wish you nothing but the best. I can't wait till our paths cross again, Jenna. And it's like when I send that, people are like, oh my gosh, I can say no to things. Like it's not, you know, like it's like this permission because it's like when we lean into that, it gives people permission like this is okay and acceptable. And there's a line in my book that I love because I often think that we think boundaries are keeping people or opportunities out of our lives, but boundaries actually keep us in our own lives. And so when we have boundaries around work or social media or how we consume or relationships, it's not necessarily saying these things are bad and I'm going to keep them out of my life. It's saying, I know my tendencies These are guardrails that I need to put up so that I stay in my life. And I think that's a huge difference that a lot of us really struggle to understand or implement in our own lives. Mm, Absolutely. Can you share some of your healthy boundaries with us in terms of your personal life and your business? Yeah. So for years, we have not slept with cell phones in our bedroom. Our our room is a no phone zone. And we actually have, it's so funny, we have a squeaky cabinet that we made our charging station. So we have like a huge charging port. It's where all of our devices go. And you can hear when you open it. So if somebody's sneaking into the squeaky cabinet, it's like, "Mm -mm, what what do you need? What's going on? So we have kind of built these guardrails and bumpers in our lives. And so that's one that has just been so transformative because I know my tendency would be to remember a text message before bed and then get sucked into my inbox or to, oh, I just got to respond to one more DM or one more text or one more thing. That's like my tendency. So how do I protect myself from that? So no cell phones is one. The other side of cell phones, because I'm apparently obsessed with it when it comes to boundaries, is my team does not use our cell phones for work. So no one is required to have their email or Slack on their phone. They can if they choose, but we cannot text each other about work because your phone is your personal lifeline. And I have recognized that literally in a five minute time span, I could be knees deep writing email copy and my daughter comes in and I shut my computer and I want to be fully with her. And if somebody's texting me and pulling me out of that motherhood moment, like you said, that's not urgent. 
So we have huge boundaries where it's like, if it was a 911 emergency, call me on my phone. But guess what? In like the four years since implementing this no cell phone rule for work, there have been no 911 emergencies. Nobody talked to me during my maternity leave. Like it was, it's beautiful. And so it's funny because we trick ourselves into thinking that we must be available at all hours of the day. Um, But just like I want to be able to live my life, I want my team to have that same autonomy. And so we slack each other if we want to text and be like, hey, is it cool if I send you a voice note real quick about something or things like that? Or we just keep it all in Slack. And I think that just gives permission to set your do not disturb up and get back with your life. I love that. Such great tips. Talk to me about your relationship with Drew. You have two beautiful girls. How long have you guys been together now? So let's hear. I started college in 2006 and we met my freshman year and we have been together like 13, 14 years, I think now, which is crazy. We've been married 10, going on 11. Uh, which is big, but we got married. So we got married when we were 23. Um, We were little babies and it's been so cool, the evolution of our relationship and our marriage and our roles that we play. Um, He is hilarious. We are very different and we are very similar all at the same time. But seeing him come to his own and like step in and just own the role and the way that he supports this whole operation is so beautiful. And as a female CEO, it is so funny. We we literally laugh all the time because we'll tell people something maybe about our lives or our lifestyle and they'll look at Drew and they'll be like, so what do you do? Like, as in, what does he do? And he's like, I'm a stay-at-home dad. And then he's like, this one over here. And he like points to me and it, it's, fun for us because especially living in the Midwest, we live in Minnesota, gender roles are very traditional. And so the fact that we are just pushing against that and like breaking the barriers with that is like one of our favorite things about our relationship. And the more that we live into who we are and our gifts, the better team we are. And I feel like a big lesson we've been learning in marriage lately is like, we are a team. We are not keeping score. We are not opponents. We are not enemies. Like we want the same things. And sometimes we go about things differently, but we like keep coming back to this fact that like we are a team. And I think it is so necessary as parents of a toddler. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. And I often say to Nick, I'm like, this parenting gig it's a two-person gig. And all of those single parents out there, like hands down to you. Like if you were listening to this and you were a single parent, you are my hero. You are my hero. I remember in the early days of my baby being here and all the hormones are running through your body and you're super emotional. I remember turning to Nick and feeling so grateful because We did the first 40 days where we didn't leave the house for 40 days and he was doing all the cooking and the cleaning and I just was like, I'm so grateful and I was bawling my eyes out. I'm so grateful that you're here and I have you. And then I would turn to him two seconds later and be like, what about the single mothers out there? Like, how do they do it? And and he was like, I know, babe, like it's far out. You guys are my heroes. And so- I love that you and Drew are a team and and Nick and I have a saying, better together. When we're on the same team, it's always better together and not keeping score like that never is supportive for anyone. But tell me, how do you and Drew 
keep your relationship sparkly? Like, what do you guys do? You said you do date nights. What else do you do? Because you've now got two kids, so it's probably shifted again. Yeah, it really has. And it's it's fascinating. Something that I've learned to embrace with age and with experience is to honor these like evolutions of who you are. And I think a lot of times we like fight when we're on the precipice of like a change, whether it's a change in identity, going from single to married to mother to mom of two or CEO. Like we we push back on some of these changes. And I feel like right now the sparkle is coming from really embracing some more of like the chaos and the hilarity of being parents of a toddler and a newborn and the juggle of it. And lately it's been really having to be super intentional with how we are connecting because the moments are more fleeting, right? It's a lot more of like handing off than it was previously. And so we have had this practice for, I mean, since we've been together, where every night we say three things we're thankful for and we do like a little devotional together and we take turns on who reads it to each other. Lately, it's so funny because I'll be nursing Quinn and he'll be like whispering it to me so that we don't wake her up in the middle of the night. But it's moments like that. And um, even we have a sauna and we last night like Drew heated it up. We put the girls to bed. We had the monitor and we're like, get out to the sauna and like, let's put on some music and just like be together. And I think it's really figuring out and honoring like the human and not just the role because it's really easy for us to get sucked into the different roles we play in dynamics. And so it's like, how can I honor him as a full person? And also, how can I acknowledge him? And something that I've really taken to heart is so much of my work is online and I get praise and reviews and emails and all these things. Well, his work is all offline. There's nobody noticing or double tapping or giving him gold stars or comments for taking the garbage out or for meal prepping or things like that. And so it's like, how can I be that cheerleader and that noticer and just paying attention to those little things? so that he gets that same feeling of fulfillment through his work that I get through mine. Mm, That is so beautiful. And often those two little words, thank you, go such a long way. Thank you for making the bed. Thank you for taking the rubbish out. Thank you for dinner. Thank you for my hot water and lemon. I know he makes that for you every morning, you know, thank you. And it's often those little tiny gestures that seem insignificant are not. They are not insignificant. They make such a big deal. The post-it note, the text message, whatever it is, you know, Nick still sends me beautiful text messages randomly in the middle of the day, just saying, you look so beautiful this morning, or I'm so proud of you, or you're such an amazing mother. And I'm just like, oh, wow, like so beautiful. And something else that I remember listening in one of your podcasts, I remember you saying this years and years ago, and I can't remember what episode, but I remember you saying that you and Drew still go to bed holding hands. And I don't know if that's the case anymore, but I love that so much. And Nick and I have always done the same thing as well. And even in the middle of the night, I'll like reach over and grab his hand and we'll hold hands again. And it's again, it's something so simple and so small but it's so beautiful and big. We're the weirdos that require a double sink because we're the ones brushing our teeth next to each other every single day. Like we do not go to bed without each other, which I know is like weird. 
But like we just, when it's bedtime, we both get ready. We do our routine together. We lay down together. And like that is like our recalibrating time because it's like life can pull us in a million directions. And that's like coming home, not just to each other, but to ourselves too. I love that. I know we're like, we need dual sinks because we're sitting there like talking as we're brushing our teeth of like, all right, here we are. It's so fun. Oh, that is so beautiful. So you've shared so much about your relationship. You've shared so much about your business and motherhood. I want to talk now about female friendships because this is such another huge key component to health and happiness. It's part of the the happiness wheel of life. You know, you have a beautiful relationship. You're doing work that inspires you and lights you up. You are a mama. Talk to me about friendships. I have recently done three episodes on friendships. I had two of my best girlfriends come on and we did a two-part friendship series, which went off. Like I had no idea how big it would be. And then I had Erin Falconer on who just wrote How to Break Up with Friends. And so it's a big topic right now. Talk to me about how to have female friendships as a driven adult. It's crazy. So this is such a huge topic. I loved your series. I think it was so, I mean, it's just something that everyone's afraid to talk about because we all feel broken, right? Like we're like, something must be wrong with me because I don't have this tight circle of friends or I don't have people showing up with casseroles or, you know, I'm not at a bachelorette party with 20 people in matching swimsuits. Like we're all walking around thinking like we're the only ones. And yet the journeys that we're on are so isolating often, whether it's entrepreneurship or motherhood or you're changing geographic locations. There are so many excuses as to why we don't have close friendships. And what's crazier about that is that like our world has never been more connected and yet everyone is lonely and disconnected, right? It's like we're connected at our fingertips, but we're not connected with our ears and our eyes and our feelings. And so I broke the book up into three sections. And the first one is, who are you really? But the second section is all about relationships and it's who you have and who has you. Because I think it's really important that we talk about not just fostering friendships, but like how do we learn how to ask for help? How do we start to believe that there is abundance and there is enough to go around? How do we start to pour into the next generation? How do we lean on the previous generation to guide us? And I feel like so many of my conversations and friendships offline would have maybe never happened if I would have assumed, oh, people just aren't going to get it, or they just disagree with this, or they don't understand what it's like to X, Y, or Z. And I just feel like as women who really crave connection and who usually put themselves last, this loneliness can cripple and, and ruin everything. And one thing that I did for a tangible tip is years ago, years ago, I used to drive to the gym every single morning, Monday through Friday, and I would just sit and ask God or universe or whomever, I believe in God, to just put people on my heart that I could hold space for and pray for. And when I would get to the gym, I would voice note three people and I would just always say, no need to respond. I just want you to know you're on my heart today this is what I'm thinking of, or this is what I'm sending you, or this is what I want you to remember. And 
it's crazy because for so long, I would just think of people and be like, oh, that's so random. And now I'm like, no, 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 this is like a divine download that I need to pass along. And you would be so shocked at how many times people are like, I needed this or, oh my gosh, today was the worst day or I'm going through this thing or whatever. And so to have good friendships, you have to be a good friend. And so much of that means that you have to start getting comfortable showing up as your whole self, not compartmentalizing the facets of who you are, but being a whole complete person and then inviting people to do the same. It's it's the difference in saying, how are you? And how are you really? And that's where I think we need to bridge the gap, especially as women. Yes. And if you, like you said, if you want these beautiful, rich friendships in your life, you have to show up. You have to be the type of friend that you want to call into your life. There's no point sitting back, crossing your arms and saying, well, why aren't they here? Why aren't I at that bachelorette party with 20 people in their swimsuits? Like, why, why not me? Are you taking action? Are you putting in the steps to create that in your own life? And I highly recommend going and listening to those episodes that I did with Sally and Tamsin and Erin because it really inspired me as well. You know, I have a reminder pop up in my phone every day that reminds me to tell someone how much they mean to me. And it might it might be a family member, it might be a friend, or it might be someone I follow on Instagram that I've never met in person. And I might just send them a voice message saying, I really loved that episode. It inspired me this way, or I loved this post. And just express my gratitude for them. So often we can just skip over those little things and it takes what? two minutes to do. And that two minutes could make someone's entire day by you saying thank you or acknowledging them or their work or how they show up as a mother or a partner or whatever. That could make someone's entire day by you just taking one minute or two minutes out of your day to share what you see in that person. So I actually remember you saying that, that you used to do that with three people. I remember you sharing that on a podcast and I remember thinking that's such a beautiful idea. And I know Tony Robbins does the same thing. He does it first thing in the morning. I'm not sure if he does voice messages or or text, but I know that he sends three people a message first thing in the morning to express his love and gratitude and let them know that he sees them. So there's something in this, guys. Look at Jenna, super successful. Tony Robbins, super successful. And this is what they do every day gratitude. And it is, it's again, it's like that noticing, like I see you. Doesn't it feel good when somebody is just like, I see you, or I see your hard work, or I see you showing up, or I see you taking out the garbage. Like any of those things where you feel seen, it's like, whoa, what I'm doing makes a difference. And if you can do that for somebody, oh, today I was having such a hard day after not sleeping much with my toddler. And I was like, okay, I'm feeling depleted. I'm tired. I'm frustrated. I was like, you know what? I'm going to just check in on three other people. Cause if I'm feeling this way, I'm probably not the only one. And it was like this moment of like shifting out of like, Oh, woe is me to like, how can I help? How can I serve? What can I do? How can I be there? And it just, when you are holding gratitude or holding space for people, there's no room for that negativity and it just can shift everything. I love it. 
Mm, and it doesn't take long. It really no. doesn't take long. No. And yeah, when you shift out of that woe is me and you check in with someone else, like it's really beautiful and doesn't take long at all. I have a conscious mama's group and sometimes I'll, I'll message the whole group and sometimes I'll just message one mama from that group and I'll just say, good morning, beautiful mama. How are you today? You know, how, how was your night? And sometimes it's like only one wake up or we had a party last night you know, things like that. But it's just, you know, I hear you and I see you. And from all of the parenting books that I have read, from every expert, every parenting expert that I've interviewed, every single human being on this planet wants to feel seen and heard, especially our children. And if we can allow our children and everyone in our life to feel seen and heard, oh my gosh, you're going to open their heart. You're going to open your heart. and everything is going to flow so much more effortlessly in your life and in their life when someone feels seen and heard. I would love to hear now, hun, what are you working on within yourself right now? Or what would you like to improve within yourself right now? Yeah, you know, I feel like, so with the book, and you know better than anyone else, it's like two big projects. So it's like the actual writing and editing process. And then it's like the launching and getting it into people's hands. And when I committed to doing this book and when I told Drew about this, I was like, I am going to do this in a way that doesn't take away from our lives. Like I am committed. And so I am constantly coming back to how can I do this pursuit in a peaceful way? For example, I did my audiobook and my publisher, who's amazing, they were like, we need you to fly somewhere and it's going to take four days. So it'll be like five, six days when you're going to be gone. And, and I was like, thank you. But at this stage of life and motherhood, I cannot commit to that. So I was like, let me come up with a solution. Because I always tell my team, like, if there's a problem, you can come to me with the problem, but also bring a solution with. So I was like, let me figure this out. And so my next door neighbor, Mary, runs the local radio station. And I was like, hey, Mary, do you in Duluth, Minnesota, do you have like a booth or something that I could like record an audiobook in? And she's like, hmm, I thought we could figure this out. My cousin, who is a radio DJ, did my sound engineering for my book that I recorded at the local radio station so that I could be home with my children. And we knocked it out in two and a half days. And I tell this to show that if you truly want to live out your values, you will figure out ways. You will get creative. You will get scrappy. Where you are lacking resources, you will become resourceful. And I was on the phone with the producer of my audiobook, and I was like, oh, yeah, I just ran out to lunch, had pizza at the place that catered our wedding a decade ago, had lunch with my brother. Here's my cousin, Chris, that I'm reading my book to. And she was like, it sounds like you live in Mayberry. And I was like, no, we just have community here. and. It was such a beautiful reminder of like, you don't need the biggest production. You don't need the perfect setting. You don't need the right equipment. You just got to start. And what I'm coming back to in this season to answer your question is figuring out once again, how to be resourceful in the ways of with my time and my energy, because I care so deeply about getting this book out into the world, but I will not do it at the expense of my life. That is the antithesis of what the book is. And so my greatest challenge right now is to continue to come home to that mission and to make sure that every aspect 
of getting this book into people's hands is lived in a way that says like, I am not just talking this talk. I'm walking the walk right alongside of you imperfectly. And I'm right here holding my hand back, inviting you to join. Mm, I love that, hun. And I just want to encourage everyone to go to the show notes and get your book. It is so inspiring. It is so inspiring. And Jenna is just so authentic and the stories that you share. And I just love that you came up with a solution. And I'm the same with my team. I'm like, okay, if we have a problem, don't come to me with a problem, come to me with a problem and maybe three different options for solutions. And we'll go from there. And I was exactly the same as you. I did not plan to have the book and the baby come within the same week, literally within the same week. (laughs) And so I had to record the audio of my book as well whilst I was heavily, heavily pregnant. And they said the same thing. They were like, you're going to have to drive to the local city, which is two hours away and record it. And I said, I am a professional podcaster. I have a podcasting studio at my home. Can I please do it here? And so we didn't end up even using my podcasting stuff. They posted me all of the equipment. I sat in my bed with pillows all around me and I recorded the audio for comparisonitis, very pregnant, sitting in bed in the comfort of my own home. And we, I think we did it in maybe like two or three days. I can't even remember, but it was amazing. And and I had a a sound engineer in a different city in Melbourne in my ears who was producing it all whilst I sat in my bed and it was brilliant. So there are solutions. There are solutions to every road bump and you just need to get creative and resourceful and come up with ways that you can make this work for you. And I love that you are so hell-bent on staying true to your values, hun. And I am the same. And I think when you become a mother, that gets so strong. You're like, this is what I believe in and I'm not willing to waver because my daughters or my daughter and my family are my number one and I'm not willing to bend for anything else. So coming up with solutions. And I love that you also, I know for a photo shoot, I saw on your Instagram, you had to do a photo shoot. And again, you were meant to go away and you were like, hang on a minute, let's do it in my lounge room. Yes. we. I was supposed to do this promo shoot and I was like, yeah, driving to a studio an hour away, bringing the whole family with all the outfits, all the things. And I was like, wait a second. I was a photographer. I think we can figure this out. And so I was like, are you game to like, just bring everything? We'll like set it up right outside. And it was hilarious. And it was not what people picture. Yet the pictures are so wonderful. And like Coco would come running through the frame and I'd change outfits and she'd be like, oh, mom, I like that dress. And like, it was so normal to her, which I loved because I was just like, this is just mom, like juggling between the two. And yeah, I mean, it literally, the greatest challenge in my life is just like, come back home to the message, come back home to the message, come back home. And uh, it's been so beautiful because I think I've watched a lot of people launch books that they themselves need the most or that they forget what that mission and that message is. And I just am such a person on like alignment and integrity that I'm like, I will not sacrifice that. And I agree, becoming a mom makes you just laser focus on like, here's what I'm willing to do and here's what I cannot commit to. And it's beautiful. It's so beautiful. Absolutely. 
One of the other many things that I love about you is, like I've said so many times, is your authenticity and your vulnerability. You share so much of your personal life. You share so much about your relationship. You share so much about body image. You share about your daughters and struggle and miscarriage and you share your daughters. Like, Has that ever been a struggle for you? Have you ever had vulnerability hangovers or are you just like very open? I don't know, like, because it's something that I really struggle with. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I struggle with it a lot. And in the prologue of the book, I'm like, please don't talk to me about the weather. Like, talk to me about anything. Like, I don't want to snorkel with you. I will scuba dive. Like, tell me about the mole or the lump in your chest or your impending divorce. Like, tell me about all of those things because I would way rather talk about that because it's real. And I think my greatest struggle with that is I can only share my story and I want to protect my children and their stories. I would never, ever use my platform in a way that humanized them or shared things that are only meant for them. And one thing that was really fascinating, and it's something that I look back on and I'm like, was that the right decision? I don't know. But like when Coco was born, I was still doing a lot of like influencer relationships and things like that. And I made the decision that any sponsored post or content that she was in, she got 100% of the dollar. And we set aside a very sizable account for her future in her first year of living. So it was like, I was like, I don't think most kids would be upset if you were like, I took this really cute picture of you in these pajamas and you just made a few thousand dollars, you know? Who knows? Maybe she won't like that. I don't know. But I think it's so hard as a mom with a platform to let that part of you shine because it is the biggest blessing and the biggest joy of my life while also figuring out what does privacy and boundaries look like for my children? I mean, I do not have the answer. So if anyone does, I am all ears. And so while I do share so much of my life, I always make sure it's through the lens of my own journey that I'm not sharing other people's stories and that I would feel comfortable if somebody posted something like that about me. I've definitely not been perfect in it. And I think it's something, it's like the one thing in my life that keeps me up at night is just thinking about how do you share motherhood in such a digital era and what does that look like? But when it comes to being vulnerable and authentic and sharing my life, I have always had this realization that I want to look back on all of the posts, on all of the things and not say, who was that? That wasn't what my life really looked like. I really struggle sometimes when leaders in our space say like, hey, do you remember when I looked on top of the world? I was actually miserable behind the scenes. Because when they say that, I'm like, how do I trust you right now? How do I trust it? If you weren't in integrity then, and of course people can change, how do I know that when you're showing that you're on top of the world and you have it all figured out now that you're not actually crumbling behind the scenes? And I can genuinely say that when I look back on my posts over the last decade, I can look back and say that was exactly where I was, whether it was grief or triumph, whether it was a win or a loss. It is not a highlight reel. It is a real, real, R-E-A-L, real. And I pride myself on that because I, my feed is my legacy and my legacy includes the bad parts. And that's just the reality of it. And you can absolutely feel that with your Instagram, with your podcast. You just share so beautifully from your heart and you're sharing your stories. And it is, it's, it's really beautiful. And 
you share whilst you're in it. That's a really big thing. And that's something that I definitely didn't do whilst I was trying to get pregnant. And that's mainly because I felt like I, it was an inward process. It was a really big inward process for me. And I was dealing with some dark, dark stuff, you know, some dark shadows. And I had to go through that and then come out the other side to then share about it. So that was my process with that. But then there are times where I have definitely shared whilst I'm going through something. But with the pregnancy stuff for me, I needed to just go through that without any outside or external noise. Yes. I think there's a difference between sharing from like a wound and a scar. Like a wound is like you are bleeding out, like you need to be triaged. And a scar is like, okay, I can now see the lesson. Kind of like what we were talking about earlier when it's like you see those waiting seasons for what they were. And that's only possible with hindsight. And I think nowadays people look sometimes at vulnerability and they're like, I've got to show up and show every messy middle while I'm in it. And I think that there is some beauty in that. But I also think that if you are still seeking the answer or the reason or the solution and you're showing up and it's just chaos, it's not enlightening. It's not encouraging. It's not inspiring. And so it is this very delicate balance. And like when you said you go inward, like when I was in labor with Quinn, like I go inward when I'm dealing with stuff like that. Like when I'm in pain, I go inward like that. And so it is very tricky to balance that desire of authenticity and vulnerability while also maintaining the safe space or almost putting that shield of armor around you when you are dealing with sensitive things. And I think it's going to look different for every single person. I am just naturally an oversharer that has dialed it in over time, but I'm not afraid to get on social media and like say like, my goodness, I was up for hours last night And I'm exhausted and I'm constantly questioning, am I doing the right thing or am I spending the right amount of time in the right parts and still go on to do the meaningful work. And I think that that's where it's like, this is a conversation. It's not like me proclaiming this is it. It's like, am I alone here? Are we we all feeling this and nobody's saying it? I'm just going to say it. And even today I like posted something. I was like, I think I'm going to delete this. And like so many people were like, don't delete it. Thank you for posting it. And so it is a juggle and it's a struggle, but it can always be done in a way that invites you to look back and be like, that was at least honest, right? Yes. And that's the most important thing is that we can look back and go, okay, I was true to myself. Yes. Amen. Let's pretend now that you have a magic wand and you could put one book in the school curriculum of every high school around the world besides your book, which I think absolutely should be in the curriculum. What is one other book that you would choose? And it can be on any topic. It could be on relationships. It could be spirituality, nutrition, whatever. There's no rules. Just one book. Oh, that's so good. I would say Atomic Habits by James Clear. And the reason why I say this is because I think that a lot of people desire change. And when they don't change as quickly as they want, or when they don't implement, or when they fall through on the diet plan or the exercise plan, we enter into these guilt and shame cycles that don't serve anyone, including ourselves. And what I've learned in Atomic Habits are these really tiny, tiny micro, like mini actions that start to move you forward. It's leaving the supplements next to the coffee maker. It's doing 10 squats after you wash your hands. It's these little ways that you can figure out how to make change 
that you can follow through on. And why I think this is so important is because I think we are walking around mad at ourselves, feeling guilty about what we haven't done, doubting our ability to get ourselves results. And Atomic Habits is just such a clinical book in here is how you can build habits that get strengthened over time so that when you think of the most vibrant version of you, you're living it. You can see that version of you through your action. And for someone who has spent years trying to implement things and then falling through and then being guilty and shameful, I loved those little micro actions, like those infinite small things that you can do. So I would say that is the book. Mm, I love that. And we'll link to that as well as your incredible book in the show notes. You just mentioned guilt. Talk to me. Is mama guilt something that you experience? And if so, how do you move through it? All the time. All the time. I mean, I feel like, and I feel like sometimes mom guilt has become this like excuse or almost like this thing that people are willing to die on of like, oh my gosh, it's like martyrdom, right? Like I'm choosing to do these two things and now I'm a martyr to them. And I don't believe that. I don't subscribe to that. But I feel like it's often me asking myself a question like, was that the right decision? Was it right to book myself this way? Or was it right to commit to this thing? Or was it the right time to launch a book? Who knows? But I always try to choose a word of the year. And last year, I had a necklace that just said, be here now. And what I mean by that is for so long, when I was working, I was thinking about motherhood. And when I was mothering, I was thinking about work. And I felt like I was half in on everything. And when I would, I always have this tendency to like hold on to my necklaces. And when I would hold my necklace, I'd be like, okay, right now, my butt is in the chair. I am working. Be here now. The second that I crossed that threshold into the room with my children, be here now. And it was just this like reminder of like, if I am all in on what I'm doing, then the time is never wasted. Then it's never the wrong choice. And so I absolutely think that mom guilt is a thing. It's something I haven't been able to avoid, but it's also a tool to really make sure that you're staying in alignment with the type of mom or the type of career or the type of partner or the type of sister or mother or whatever that is that you want to be. And so utilize it as a tool, as a check-in for yourself and not as a place to be a martyr to your decision. Yes, I love that. Use it as like a guide to get you back on your path in alignment with your core values instead of using it as a tool to beat you up or using it as ammo for your inner mean girl. Yes. Oh, your inner mean girl. That is you. I love. I always am like, oh, Melissa. Yep. (laughs) She told me about this. (laughs) Yeah, it's so interesting, this guilt thing, because guilt is not a feeling that I had felt a lot of before I became a mother. It's not something that I felt a lot of. And then I became a mother and I was like, oh my gosh, I get it now. Like, oh my goodness. But it's so weird, but I am the same as you now. I use it as a way to come back to the present moment. Like when I'm breastfeeding her to be all there, when I'm doing my work to be all here and then choosing to let it go because it's something that I experience and it still pops up for me. But then just saying, okay, it's okay. She is happy with her nanny playing in the park right now. And that's okay. And I'm doing this podcast with Jenna and she's happy. She's having a good time. She's outside in the sunshine with her nanny who loves her. And I'm here recording this episode with Jenna and we're all good. 
and I can choose to let it go. I don't need to hold on to it with that white knuckle grip. So yeah, we don't need to hold on to mum guilt. We can let it go and use it to get back on your path and to be in alignment with your core values. Okay. I love hearing about how people start their day. I love hearing about their morning routines and how their day looks. Can you talk us through a typical day in your life now with two kids? And I know no two days are ever the same, but kind of talk us through from what time you wake up to your flow for the day. I love hearing this stuff. Yeah. So it is always changing, but lately it has been, so Coco goes to Montessori school from eight to noon. So I wake her up every morning. Sometimes Quinn, the baby, is awake. Sometimes she is still sleeping. And so I'll go in and I sit on the floor with Coco and we talk. She loves to talk when she wakes up. So I'll sit on her floor. We'll talk about the day. We'll plan out the day together. We'll get her dressed. We go downstairs and then Drew usually makes us breakfast. And we all sit together and have breakfast as a family. And then he'll whisk her away to school. And a lot of times I'll keep the baby with me. So her and I just hang out. And then I get into work. So my main work happens while Coco is in school and that's from eight to noon. And that's like my go time. Like once you become a mom, you're like, what did I do with eight or 10 hours in the day? I'm like, give me a nap time and I can crush it. Um, And so I feel like that's kind of what I do. In this stage of life right now, I feel like I'm squeezing in like 10 minute workouts a couple times a day where it's like, let me pop on a Peloton app and do a 10-minute arms. Like, oh, I need a little movement. Let's do a little yoga flow. So I try to sprinkle that in. And then if I have a lot of work to do, I have to hide in our house because Coco will find me. So sometimes I have to hide and be very quiet because whenever I'm around, she just wants mama. And then Drew will get her down for lunch. And some days I'll have lunch with them. Some days I'll keep working. And then I usually cut it off right at 5 p.m. And we have dinner as a family. And then I do bedtime and all the bedtime stories and showers and baths and all of those things. And then Drew and I usually watch a really crappy television show. We just watch really dumb TV that like we'd be embarrassed if people saw our DVR and hang out with him. And then him and I go to bed together and we read together like different books, but we lay together and read and do all of that. And then we start all over again. And Quinn is like the easiest baby in the world. And so she is like so freaking chill. And it's like sometimes we're just like, oh, she just kind of like adapted to our rhythm. And so she's just this cutie little pie. But usually I'll see her at least once in the middle of the night. (laughs) Oh, that is so beautiful. And so during your workday, are you going down and breastfeeding and then coming back up and working? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I like exclusively breastfeed and it's great. But it does present challenges at times. There have been multiple times where I'll like be ready to do an interview and it's like a quick handoff where it's like, oh, you might have seen my boob on that Zoom call. <laughs> but I love it. And I, it's just all so temporary and fleeting. And we are done growing our family now. I feel like we've like closed that chapter in a beautiful way. And I feel super clarity in that. And so... I'm just like soaking in every minute of it because it's like once you know it's your last, it's like, oh my gosh, everything is just even more tender than it already is. So, Yeah, absolutely. And I love your flow. And I now, because Bambi has two sleeps in the day, she has a smaller one in the morning and then she has a bigger one in the afternoon. And when she sleeps, I am like a super Superwoman. woman. Like I just put 
these noise cancelling headphones on. No one talks to me. And I'm just like, like laser focused. Like I get so much done. Although I'm not in the process of like writing a book or anything at the moment. I'm, you know. Still though. Yeah. I get so much done. And then whatever it doesn't get done, you know, those other false urgencies, I'm like, they can wait till tomorrow because I'm at that phase where I want to be with her in the middle of the day. And when she wakes up from her afternoon sleep, like that's my time with her. I don't want to be anywhere else. I want to be with her. And so Nick and I are both working. So we have uh, some outside help as well that comes. Our beautiful nanny comes in the morning and, and takes Bambi for an hour, which is so beautiful, which is where she is right now uh, so that I can do this interview with you. But yeah, I just, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing your little routines in your day. And um, yeah, and it will evolve again as the girls get older. Yes. Yeah. It is fascinating how everything is just so temporary and it's beautiful. And I think that's where that urgency of like soaking it in is such a beautiful reminder for us because a lot of times we wish things away. And I feel like somebody the other day was like, oh, thank God we survived those first few months with a baby. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, I can't believe they're already getting so big. Like, I don't feel like that at all. I'm like, I like can't believe all those months have passed. Like, what is happening? And so it is interesting perspective and how it is such a great gift for us, especially as moms. Absolutely. Soak up everything. Soak up every second. And yeah, like you said, it passes. It's fleeting. And then we'll look back and go, what? They're 16? What? I know, right? Oh my gosh. I know when people send me messages like that, like my daughters are 22 and I'm like, no, don't tell me about this. My heart can't handle it. Yes. All right, my darling, I've got three rapid fire questions for you now. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. What is one thing that we can do today for our health? Drink more water. Really, right now, if you're listening to this, go fill up your water cup, fill it up as many times as you need, but drink more water beautiful. I love it. Simple, easy, and very powerful. Okay. What is one thing that we can do for more wealth in our life? So more abundance in all areas of our life. Stop coveting the best things that you know and start freely sharing them. And trust me that when you give away some of the best stuff that you know for free, people will come back with their checkbooks ready to pay for you for what's next. Absolutely. I love that. So powerful. What is one thing that we can do for more love in our life? Notice the people around you and just call out. Literally feel like you are narrating their actions for them so that they feel seen and heard and understood. Mm, I love that. They're so beautiful. Thank you. Is there anything else that you want to share, my darling? Is there any last parting words of wisdom or anything that you wanted to talk about? No, I would just say... The one thing that I want people to remember is there are amazing people like Melissa and myself who are out here sharing our lives and our experiences, and there are incredible gurus and leaders and and speakers out there, but I think the number one gift you can give to yourself is to come home to your truth, and we want to provide the tools to help you do that. And so when you hear other people's stories or when you read their books or when you sign up for their programs or when you listen to their podcasts, 
I want for you to turn the mirror onto yourself and ask yourself how you can walk away, not just with knowledge, but with knowledge that you can take action on that will get you closer to your own truth. And it is not about coming to our truths. It's about coming home to yourself. And that is like the biggest invitation that I hope you have when you tune on in to episodes like this. Mm, Thank you so much, my darling. And thank you for sharing so much of your gold. I feel like when I think about you, hun, I literally feel like you just spread your love and your gold and all of your nuggets of wisdom out on the table for everyone. And like, I can visually see you kind of placing all of your gold on the table and saying, anyone is welcome. I've got tips on business. I've got tips on passion. I've got tips on motherhood. I've got tips on relationships and friendships in every area of your life. And you lay it all out so beautifully on the table for people. And you literally say, anyone want some of this? Here you go. And I love that about you so much. You don't hold anything back. You put your best work out. You are constantly giving. You are overflowing with love and abundance. And I love that about you so much. And you know, there's no mistake that you are wildly successful in all areas of your life whatever success even looks like to you, but you can feel it. It radiates out through everything that you put out into the world, how happy you are, how much work that you put into everything that you do, how much love you pour into everything. You can feel it. It is tangible. You can feel it. So I want to honor you for that and acknowledge you for that. And I just want to say that you are giving so much to so many people And I just want to thank you so much for all that you do because you are such a goddess and you're sharing so much with the world. You're helping so many people. You're serving so many people. How can we give back and serve you today? What's one thing that we can do to give back to you today? That was like so beautiful. Thank you. I would say go out and get my book. And if you can't afford it, go to a library. I hope the libraries get that book. But I have never been so proud of a project and I've never wanted it out so wildly as I do this book. And so if you feel inclined, go out and get it and read it and then pass it on to a friend. And I want those copies so tattered and highlighted and bookmarked that it is just the gift that keeps giving. So use it as a tool to build that community and to pay it forward for someone else as well. I love that so much, honey. Thank you. We will link to it in the show notes as well as all of your amazing work. And I want to acknowledge you and thank you again so much. Go and get this book. It is such an incredible book. It's so inspiring. You won't be able to put it down. Jenna, I love you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being you. You're amazing. Oh, thank you so much. And I can't wait to have you back on Gold Digger. Yes, let's do it. Now that we're finally saying yes to things again. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Thank you, my love. You are amazing. Mm, I loved this conversation. I love this woman. Seriously, everything she puts out and creates is so amazing. So go and check her out. She is such a big-hearted, genuine, authentic, loving person. She really walks her talk. She's just so generous, so loving, so kind, so caring with everything that she does. So go and check her out. And if you loved today's conversation, please subscribe to the show and leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. 
because that means that we can inspire and educate even more people together. And come and connect with me on Instagram at Melissa Ambrosini and tell me what you got from this episode. I absolutely love connecting with you and I love hearing what you get from each episode. So please come and tell me what your biggest key takeaway was from this show. And before I go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for being here, for wanting to be the best, the healthiest and the happiest version of yourself and for showing up today for you. You rock. Now, if there's someone in your life that you can think of that would really benefit from this episode, please share it with them right now. You can take a screenshot, share it on your social media, email it to them, text it to them, do whatever you've got to do to get this in their ears. And until next time, don't forget that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. 